0: Anyway, um, I forgot to share, before I get started with this, I forgot to share my own little testimony thing. Um, um, we know that uh, January 12 was my last day in uniform in the Air Force after 37 and a half years, and there was potential for trauma and crisis, but the Lord's been so good to me, and, and I've just had so much peace about it, and I enjoyed two months or more of Of unemployment, where I just got to spend so much time with the Lord. Several times I came in here for a couple of hours just to hang out with them, you know, not even with an agenda. And you don't normally get that sort of thing, right? That's just a a blessing. Um, And then uh, an acquaintance through Rochelle was having some staffing worries, and he knew that I was out of work, but looking for managerial things, because that's my background. And I was looking for that kind of stuff. But he said, look, I've got a little NAF job here, but I really need it done. You want to, you know, have a fill-in job for a month. Well, uh... Well, his staff comes back from sickness and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah, it's sweet as. And uh, I found I quite liked it, but it's it's a very... You know, it's a shop floor job, I was on the broom basically and I found myself from being at Ohakia to being kind of a big deal you know for the last couple of decades people would call me by my title you know even very senior people would call me by my title and you know we had uh, the most uh, best seats at banquets and we wore our factories long and you know um, it was very very much like that and people used to call me rabbi Um, (laughs) but uh Went from that to I've got this 26 year old girl who says, Kevin, go and get some milk. You know, Kevin, go and do some of it. And I, sweet ass, you know, uh, I've embraced it. I really have. I know that's just the way of, of things and I've really embraced it. And the Lord has blessed that humility, I must say. And, uh, just a funny thing when I was unemployed and I wasn't worried, but you know, there's a lot on your mind and what are you going to do with me, Lord? You know, I'm in kind of no man's land. And, um, and I talked to him a lot and I'd hear from him a lot. And, uh, uh I said, what am I gonna do? And I was cleaning the garage, and it took me weeks to clean out my garage. Literally weeks, almost full time. And I was I really enjoy this, you know, Lord. And I was just joking with the Lord, said, Lord, I want something just like this, just clean the garage, nobody bugging me. But I don't just want to be a garage cleaner. I want to be, you know, like, you know, have some responsibility, be a manager of some kind. And I, I laughed about it, and I'm sure the Lord had a little chuckle too because it was ridiculous. Well, I'm kind of a garage cleaner at this factory. It's kind of what I do. I, I tidy things up and and I and I bring some order to it. And uh, and one of oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear up because this is so meaningful me, to me. Uh, the other day he called me a puppy dog, and he makes these jokes, and I don't usually understand his jokes, so I just. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. But because it was personal, I said, what do you mean, puppy dog? And he says, well, everybody wants to keep you, because <laughs> you <know? laughs> I was my, I was finishing at the end of this month. And I thought, well, wow, how cool to be wanted, you know, it's not very often you get that. And um, so it, he offered me a, a permanent thing, and he says, but I want to give you more responsibility, because obviously, you know, you can do more than sweet floors, so I'd like you to help me with my management stuff. Uh, here. So I'm a garage cleaner with some management, um, responsibility. So isn't the Lord just amazing? Uh, when it dawned on me the other day when I was cleaning something, I thought, oh, this is, this is what we were joking about a couple of months ago. And, and I had a little sob up of joy. You know, it's just the Lord is so good to us. And I just want to acknowledge so many people have, have said they're praying for me and I don't deserve it because the boundary lines have fallen for me and, and Great places, you know, the Lord is so good to me. But I know some of you, uh, I've made eye contact with you, Barbara. I was thinking of you this morning and praying for you because Barbara would ask a couple of times, how are you? When I ask how are you, I don't really want you to tell me how you are. You know, (laughs) keep it to yourself. It's just like, g'day. But when Barbara says how are you, it's kind of you're convinced that she's concerned about how you are. And you did that a couple of times when maybe needed some cheering up. And I didn't really tell you how I was because you don't really want to know. But... (laughs) Anyway, it cheered me up. Thank you. And so many others have, have encountered things like that of the saints, and that's why it's important to come up here and have your turn and interact and a cup of tea time, you know, try and find out, try and probe a little bit, not to be nosy, but uh, we're here to edify one another in the Lord. And, and honestly, you guys have blessed me so much over the last couple of months. And there we go. So thank the Lord for his great faithfulness to me. And... Um, And now I'll begin a sermon message. It's from Psalm 94. Psalm 94 The Lord is a god who avenges O God who avenges shine forth rise up judge of the earth and pay back the proud what they deserve How long Lord will the wicked how long will the wicked be jubilant they pour out arrogant words all the evildoers are full of boasting they crush your people Lord they oppress your inheritance they slay the widow and the foreigner they murder the fatherless they say the Lord does not see the God of Jacob takes no notice Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools. When will you become wise? Does he who fashion the ear not hear? Does he who form the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. You grant them relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be founded on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? A throne that brings on misery by its decrees? The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them from their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. <coughs> Not really a cheerful one, or one that you would teach the children at children's church, but an important one, and I think... Uh, I, th- I feel in my heart that it's it's relevant and becoming more relevant to us in the Western church or you know, here. So I'll do it verse by verse. <clears throat> the Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth, rise up, judge the earth, and pay back the proud what they deserve. Uh, Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes that there's a time for everything, time for every purpose under heaven. There's a time like uh, Stephen when he was being stoned and as he was dying, he said, Lord, forgive them because they know not what they do or, or do not hold the sin against them. Jesus said they know not what they do. And there's a time for Elisha. You might remember when Elisha, I think soon after he took up the mantle, I can't remember from Elijah. Anyway, he was he was going up somewhere and some youths came out of the woods and said, go up, baldy head. Now, I don't understand why that was so insulting or why it was such a bad thing. But Elisha... Uh, Call on the Lord, and the Lord sent two bears and came out and and um, killed forty two of these naughty children. There's a time for that. There's a time when Paul was in a city that I can't remember, but on one of his missionary trips, and there was a sorcerer who kept saying, you know, these men have come from the Most High God. He, he was a false prophet, and he had a demon, and he was saying this to the guys. And Paul um, said, you will be blind for a time, and uh, and blindness came on this guy, and. Um, Another story in that too because the same thing happened to Paul from the Lord directly. But anyway, um, so there's a time for that. There's a time uh, not to curse. These aren't curses because it's not for us to curse and we don't have any power to curse. Balaam tried to curse, and he found that he had no power to do so, and he really, really wanted to, didn't he? So it's not for us or, or, or in our power to curse, but it is to pronounce a judgment. And that's what Psalm 94 is doing. We're not cursing anybody by this, by saying, you know, uh, Lord, do justice. It's simply a call for justice. It's simply a call for vindication, and it's simply a pronouncement of something that's already ordained to happen. And so, but it's just want to make it clear at the outset that it's not for us to curse. But there's a time for that. There's a time to say, Lord, uh, please bless Helen Clark and, and, and help her to be wise and, and, you know, send harvest workers to tell her about Jesus. And there's a time to say, Lord, rise up, shine forth and, uh, and destroy the evildoers because that's just. And if people we might name are still in that camp, um, that's, that's the Lord's justice. That's up to him. So there's a time for for every purpose. And I think there's a time coming when we need to pray this kind of prayer more, not out of, and and I'll expand on this, but not out of a heart that wants vindication or revenge because vengeance belongs to the Lord and only the Lord, uh, but out of a heart that wants to see justice done. And I think, if you'll pardon the the, the coarse language, I think it's a time we had a gutsful of hearing the wretched things that we hear on the radio um, and the the absurd things. What, What are we talking about at the door this morning, Mike? Um, age, oh yeah, some dude in some country wants the government to, you know, today he identifies with a, an older person so he could draw the pension, was that it? Oh, he wanted to be younger. Right, yeah, so he wants to be legally younger. Pff, whatever, you know, and and the fact that, that our society takes these things seriously so we don't offend them, I mean, I've had a guts for them. anyway. anyway. um this, this uh, attitude, this feeling is is in Revelation 6, nine when he opened the fifth seal, the Lamb opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? So there's no meanness, there's no just they, they offended me. It's just calling on the Lord for righteousness. But it's very clear, you know. Um, destroy those people that that were mean to us, you know. So we need to learn how to pray this with a proper heart, and we'll bounce around a little bit until we learn to do it right. Because it's not common for us to pray that, and uh, we know that we are to bless and not to curse. The Bible's clear on that too. It says, "Bless and do not curse," literally. Uh, and so that's why I want to make the stress the point. This is not a curse, uh, but this is a prayer to God. You know, if He wants to do some. Uh, cursing if he wants to take some some action, that's his he's a righteous judge, and that's for him to do. So when we pray um, when we pray for the authorities, when do we pray? you know, God bless them, and when do we pray, Lord, rise up and and um destroy the wicked? Well, the answer is both and always. You know, you can do the same thing at the same time. I pray for that individual. I really hope they get saved, but if they don't, you know, um, I've got the other thing. I've read lately that um, that there are some people who who say that uh, praying for authorities is only for good authorities who do godly things. Well, but that doesn't make sense because how do you know if they're good? Because we only see you know the tip of the iceberg, the external things that they want to show to the media that are well rehearsed. Um, we don't really know what's going on in their heart. Um, raising taxes might cause me to pray for a piano to fall on their head, but it might be an entirely legitimate thing for them to do you know so so i can 't trust my own decision on whether they 're in god 's will sometimes it 's obvious you know people often draw the parallel uh, point out that the early church when this was written, Nero was the emperor, and there weren 't many worse than Nero, and yet they were told to pray for their authorities uh, and if they 're not believers they 're not in god 's will anyway, and how many of them are believers, Probably very, very few, if any. So there you go. I, I think that's silly. I think the Lord calls us, and mainly we're to pray for them, I think, to get our hearts right, you know, uh, to be good citizens, if you like. We're to be beyond, above reproach and beyond reproof um, when it comes to being citizens. Uh, there may be times when we might have to suffer for, for disobedience because we may be asked to do something uh, we don't want to do. I applied for a job. Um, I was a little bit whimsical, uh as uh, the office manager for the MP for Wanganui, who happens to be a Labour MP, and I thought this could be a bit of a hoop. Maybe I could have an influence. But then I thought, well, so a bit of paper comes across my desk to arrange a rally for for pro-choice or something. Uh, well, that would be awkward. So yeah, so things like that. So I didn't do it. But anyway, <clears throat> um, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, a right attitude is required when we pray this kind of thing. And I think we need to begin praying it and learning how to pray it properly uh, because the time has come and if, and instead of being instead of preaching, uh, you know, we've had some messages that are more like, this is a conservative speech, you know, conservative politics rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, we get into those subjects and it's kind of it's a distraction, I think, from what we're really here for. And so A right attitude is required to pray this kind of stuff because we're not out to have our our politics vindicated or our our opinions or our values. Uh, We're out to win the world for Jesus Christ. So only the humble uh, can sincerely pray for Helen or Obama or anybody else who might offend your particular values. Only when we've got a humble and servant heart can we uh, pray that with meaning... So how long, Lord, will the wicked be jubilant? The wicked be jubilant. They're great at laughing. They're great at having parties and, and throwing parades. Um, but I wonder how jubilant they are when they're at home by themselves and they're face-to-face with their own demons and they have no one to cry out to. Uh, I wonder how jubilant they are then. Proverbs thirteen fourteen 14 says, Even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief. So... And that applies not just to the wicked, but to all of us. You know, we like to put on a good face, and who wants to uh, walk around being mopey? But um, the point is that the wicked—they—they they like to laugh and, and be seen having fun and smiling for the camera, but uh, that doesn't reflect the true state of their hearts. Ecclesiastes seven six says, "Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools." Um, you had uh, Elizabeth has her roses, and I had. About twenty boxthorn trees around my, my property, and um, it took me several months to get rid of them. But they're nasty as well. They, they're some horrible things. Those boxthorns. And um, as soon as I'd burn them, you you throw a branch on the fire, and the thorns would crackle very loudly, uh, and they disappear very quickly. And that's like the laughter of fools. It's very superficial, it's very meaningless, and it's very out there, so you see me being happy. uh, But like Facebook, you know, here's, here's my best foot forward. I'm having such a great life, you know, but at home, life is miserable. So anyway, how long will they be jubilant? Well, they're not jubilant now, but the rhetorical question surely is saying, Lord, why do they always seem to be on top of things? Psalm 37 and 73, I think, because the numbers... I think that's how you remember it. Anyway, they talk about, you know, the Lord, the wicked just do so well. They prosper and they're healthy and they have lots of children and things like that. And it's the saint crying out, how long, Lord, will this be the case? The opposite is true. James tells us in 4.9, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and weep. Turn your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. James is making the point there, he's talking to sinners, and us as sinners, and he's saying, stop fooling around, humble your heart and and mourn and weep because this isn't a fun place to be and get serious about it. But the opposite is true because although that's something we have to go through, not to live in, but to go through to understand, um, and yet at the same time we can be in that kind of crisis, uh, but we have a joy that is unshakable because we know the end of the story. We know the the last chapter and we know where we're going to end up. And so while the the wicked can have joy that is unfounded and at home they are miserable, uh, we can go through crises um, and yet have that unshakable joy and know that we're on the winning side. Verse 4 says, they pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. Uh, again, I was tempted to get into some kind of conservative political speech here because we can all think of... Many news headlines that we've seen and heard about the the wicked pouring out arrogant words and boasting um, most gay parliament came to mind as soon as I read that. I thought, they're so proud of having the most gay parliament in the world. <laughs> Good on you guys, are you kidding? Uh, but that's the, that's the kind of worldview that we live amongst. <clears throat> Verse 5 says, they crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. Um, you'll all remember in UNESCO... The, the organization of the UN organization that decides World Heritage sites and 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 what the history actually was, regardless of what history actually was, they they say what it is. Uh, and they decided Israel's not Jewish. Go figure. You know, and, and they justify many places, Abraham's tomb and, and Jerusalem and other sites uh, that are Muslim sites and are World Heritage Muslim sites. Um, and so uh, Israel and, and America both withdrew membership of UNESCO. Um, because it's just absurd. But they oppress your, they crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. We've all heard out of the UN, you know, all the all the condemnations of Israel's behavior as they try and stop rockets falling on their houses. You know, shame on them, uh, and those sort of things. So um, um, they crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. The, if you're familiar with the prophets, you'll know that, Um, lack of justice is a recurring theme in the prophets. The prophets warning the leaders of Israel, saying, you know, uh, you oppress the fatherless just like the wicked are doing here. They say, you don't stand up for the widows and the orphans. You take bribes. Uh, You corrupt justice in the courts. And that was one of the major reasons, one of the major indictments upon them for their exile uh, out of Israel and into Babylon. And and here it is again as uh, a... an indictment against the wicked. Ezra 22.29. The people of the land practiced extortion. They commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. few uh, to 31. So I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger, bringing down on their own heads all they have done, declares the Lord. Justice is uh, Justice is the strong defending the weak. It's uh, justice is when a, a king looks after the widows and the orphans because they can't look after themselves. And these guys are doing the opposite. They are exploiting the weak because they're easy. Justice isn't fairness. You know, fairness is a childish thing. Um, it's not fair that... Uh, that uh, I, me as a five-year-old should go to bed when my 20-year-old sister is staying out late. You know, I want to stay out till midnight as well. Uh, Those sort of absurd things a child would do. Uh, It's not fair that um, the girl next door could get a skull tattoo on her eye, but, you know, why can't I get one? Well, you just can't, all right? Um, (laughs) um, You know, and absurd little things like that. It's not fair that I'm not getting... And adults do that as well. You know, we, we don't give it up because we haven't got a proper grasp of what justice is. Uh, it's not fair that that guy should have all that money. I mean, sure, he took lots of risks and he went to school and he and he worked really hard, blah, 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 and I haven't done any of those things, but it's just not fair, you know. So let's all be good socialists and you give me all the stuff that you work so hard to get. Um, it's just not fair. Uh, and so it's just a silly, childish thing that, that we retain as adults. But the Lord wants honest scales. He doesn't want bribes. He wants us to protect the weak. Remember Ahab in the, in the vineyard? That was the classic example of the sick justice of, of a guy who's supposed to be in charge looking after people. Uh, he wanted a vineyard. The guy wouldn't sell it to him, so his wife Jezebel um, trumped up some charges. This poor guy got, got killed, and Ahab went and took his, um, took his vineyard off him. That's not what we're supposed to use, the power that we have for. But no one was denied justice like the just one, was it? Jesus is always at the, at the top of the pile when it comes to suffering and righteousness and, and all things godly. Um, he was perfectly just, never sinned in his life, and yet he never got any justice. Um, I guess we've all heard sermons. I can remember one about all the laws that were broken, not just um, the Bible laws but their midrash and their, their rabbinical laws. that They broke when they tried and condemned and executed Jesus. They broke their own laws um, terribly. So there was absolutely no justice for the Lord. But uh, the, the, again, being at the top of the pile, he is the perfectly just one. And it says in Hebrews 1.8, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever, and a scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. So justice, doing the right thing, not taking bribes, not being swayed by people, is going to be a key factor, characteristic of the Lord's eternal reign. When he comes back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Verse 7, they say the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob takes no notice. Well, Proverbs 29, says, The fear of man is a snare. And uh, and that's not just for the wicked, that's for any of us who whose heart is beating. The fear of man is a snare. And that's not like the fear, oh no, they're gonna beat me up. That's like being swayed by man's influence. When I prepared these, even this one, sometimes I'm thinking, oh, yes, so-and-so will like that, or oh, this one will go down well. And, and I'm thinking how you will react as opposed to what the Lord wants. And uh, it's a battle that I guess you guys struggle with as well. Well, you guys are a bit more saintly than me, but, but I guess you can identify with that. We're not here to please you. We're here to please the Lord. Um, and, of course, that's what you pray for. I hope when you pray for us that, that we'll do that very thing. But the, the fear of man is, is always there. It's easy to be persuaded. I just, it's just a cause of such, uh, praise and, and, and admiration for me when I consider how Jesus could, um, ride a donkey into Jerusalem. We mentioned that this morning, you know, and everybody's saying, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, Hosanna to the son of David, and they're cheering and, and, And I don't know, if that was me, I would have felt, oh, so so cool. You know, yes, I am fairly cool. Thank you for your gifts. You know, just leave them in the foyer. Um, But Jesus wasn't moved by us. In fact, yes, I wrote it down. John 2.23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, uh, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And he needed not that anybody should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So he knows what's in us, and he doesn't commit himself to us as in, you know, what you think really affects how I feel. Uh, because what affects how Jesus feels is that voice from heaven that says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And um, that's what he lived for, and that's what we should live for. Now, our sin nature is in there always fighting against it, but it's what we need to constantly remind ourselves. Um, it doesn't matter what they think. It matters what he thinks, and it should matter. Excuse me, it should matter to us more and more what he thinks as we learn, to, <clears throat> as we know about him. Oh, the God of Jacob, uh, the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. So um, the fear of man and and the wicked that this sums about those who oppress God's people, um, and and do not give justice. They they started out as people with a conscience. We're born with a conscience, and so like some stage in everybody's life—not everybody's, hopefully among us—but at some stage of most people's lives, they choose that uh, I'm going to start ignoring my conscience. I can you can see your conscience. It takes a while, but you know we can do it and begin to ignore it, and soon it won't bother us anymore. <coughs> but at some point, they decided that that the fear of man, I want the praise of man and i 'm afraid what they might say if I resist them, you know that persecution I might get if I try to be good, um, like the thorns that came up around the good seed, uh, and sometime in their life they decided to do that, and eventually uh, if you 're really keen, if you want to ignore God, uh, he can be ignored for a for a season, and you can get rid of your conscience but that 's what these people have done. The Lord does not see the God of Jacob takes no notice oh, i read i was sort of doing a bit of research on this, and I read a horrible thing um The blasphemy project, or something, you know, and this wretched atheist guy inviting all these people to deny the Holy Spirit, you know, what he what he interpreted as the unforgivable sin, to send videos of them denying the Holy Spirit and see what the Lord would do, because you know there is no Lord, you know, God doesn't exist, and so there this website if, if you're interested in eternal damnation. Uh, send them, a, send him a video, you know, just how wretched is that? What a terrible, terrible man. But he's convinced himself that the Lord does not see and the God of Jacob takes no notice. I wonder how much he's really convinced himself. I, I don't know. But God says, verse 8, "'Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools. "'When will you become wise? "'Does he who fashion the air not hear? "'Does he who form the eye not see? "'Does he who disciplines nations not punish? "'Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge?' The Lord calls them fools. We're not to call people fools, you know, raka. Um, uh, We're not to make those kind of judgments. And yet uh, this is clearly uh, a literal fool because these people have rejected the beginning of wisdom, which is fear of God, saintly people. Good on you. I'm sure everybody knew. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The first step in wisdom is the fear of God. You can't proceed until you've grasped the fear of God. Until that well done, good and faithful servant is more important to you than all the praise and all the you know hosanna to the you know kivs that are coming up the hill on a donkey, you know, and all the praise of men uh, is so influential. My heart, I was, oh, this is another thing I went through on the on the couple of months. A little while ago, I needed some attitude adjustment, shall we say, and, um, uh, and I had to, I knew the Lord wanted me to do some apologies and some confessions and everything, but I was con- trying to convince him that, no, I don't, these things are petty, they're not important, you know, <laughs> you know. and you'd think that I'd get some acknowledgement, but the Lord wasn't even polite enough to acknowledge my arguments. It was just silence, just, you know, like, so I got the message like, okay, maybe I better do these things, and I... And I did it, and I found that as soon as I did just that that humility uh and the what David described in psalm fifty one you know a, a a contrite heart is what he desires in all of us How I get on to that I don't know it's just bouncing around in there anyway, I've got it out now I feel so much better so the fools uh all oh, right i I feared God more than I feared uh man, and so You know, the fear of man is when you have to apologise or say sorry because you have to humble yourself. That's part of the fear of man, you know, how they're going to react. Well, the fear of God overcame that, uh, and he blessed me accordingly. So these people are fools because they have no fear of God. When will you become wise, you fools, he said. It is appointed once to die, and then the judgment, it says in Hebrews. And Satan and all our enemies, the principalities and powers, are Making huge efforts to obscure that fact from mankind, they don 't want you to think about us and and them of course, to think about us once to die and then the judgment. there will be a judgment, everything that he does in the media and and songs you know at this factory where i 'm working, they play the sound you know it 's music I can relate to, but the more I listen to it it's blasphemous and it's it's anti God and it's it's hideous in such subtle ways too, subtle ways that I find myself singing that, you know, hey, kids plug into the faithless. You know, maybe they are blinded, but Blenny makes them ageless. And it's, what? And he's just trying to convince us to join the atheists. You know, and it's such a pleasant little song. Um, and just time and time again. Anyway, uh, so he's working so hard. And, of course, man is working so hard to jump on a bandwagon and, and blind himself to those things as well in case he finds he's accountable and has to do something. So when will they become wise? Verse eleven: The Lord knows all human plans, and He knows that they are futile. Sometimes, when I hear these horrible things, like Mike said about this idiot trying to, you know, legally be a different age and and the way that's accepted, and so many more wretched and wicked things like that, and I I can just imagine the the Illuminati. Maybe I'm watching too much Barry Smith, but I can just imagine some rich guy, you know, sipping brandy somewhere, going, "Ha oh, ha! Look at all the peasants." You know, they're running around and we've got all these evil plans, you know. And, and um, you know, all the conspiracies, whatever they are, Illuminati or what the latest name for them is, who cares, they're all just antichrists and God sees them all. They think he doesn't, but God sees them all in their in their panelled offices, you know, in their high-rise whatever's with so much power. He sees the antichrist and and... The Lord laughs, it says somewhere in a, in a psalm. He laughs at them, not because it's funny. The Lord isn't pathetic like that, but he just laughs in derision at their, at their pathetic plans. He knows the plans of man. He knows that they are futile. In fact, God's own word says it better than I can expound. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. Oh, that's where it is. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, "I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain." He knows. He knows, and he sees. Oh, this is the beautiful bit that made me think about um, when the Lord disciplined me. Verse twelve. It changes tack a little bit from um, from asking the Lord to you know bring bring His justice to uh, to being a bit more personal to the writer. And uh, verse 12 says, Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, and the one you teach from your law. In contrast to the wicked who completely reject God's rule, who, who say God doesn't even see me, to us who say God sees me and here's my heart, Lord. Um, sometimes I really would rather you didn't see in there. Sometimes I would rather you didn't. Do anything about it, but I really want you to. I love your discipline, and I love his discipline. As I said, when I had to uh, make some confessions and some apologies, and you know, put some things right, and uh, and I was like, you know, when you get a whipping uh, as a kid, um, or oh, a, a non-contact whipping. <laughs> Sorry, this is recorded. Eh? A non-contact positive reinforcement whipping, <laughs> um, and and you know, it gets through to a child, and um, and. Just that sense of um, calmness afterwards and teachability. And uh, that's such a beautiful place to be. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. Hebrews 12 and, and Deuteronomy 7, uh, Hebrews 12 especially teaches a lot about, you know, chastisement. Consider it all hardship. As discipline from the Lord. So, not just persecution in in Jesus' name, but just, you know, everything. You know, sometimes life stinks, sometimes it's our own stupid fault. But, you know, consider all of that discipline from the Lord. And it goes on to convince us that discipline from the Lord is a good thing. It's, it's, He only disciplines you if you're His son. You know, He wouldn't discipline you if He didn't love you because He's a good dad. And so, consider all hardship and let it influence you to be more like Him and to hear from Him. Verse 13, you grant them relief. Oh, this is those who who love his law. You grant them relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Important point in there, especially, you know, uh, as brought up the, the UN, especially talking about the UN before, uh, that so many people want to destroy God's inheritance. Uh, and, and and even the church you know we were familiar with replacement theology it's only ever heard in here is be careful of it because we don't do that here but it says the lord will never reject his people that covenant that he made with abraham isaac and jacob uh it was never rescinded never will be in fact uh it's part of who god is that he is faithful to that thing. I think I prayed at the beginning that uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all their kids, as numerable as they are, are more wicked than the nations around them. You know, they're stiff necked and stubborn. And yet that is part of who God is showing how much he loves them and continues to bless that tiny little sliver of land when everybody around it is trying to bomb it to death. And yet there it is, just like baby Jesus at Christmas, you know, a baby born in, in, in poverty uh, in a Roman occupied place. Uh, and yet there was no human ever been safer because he was in the hands of his father, just as the nation of Israel is. Anyway, you, you grant them relief in days of trouble. Uh, Romans 11.1 one says, I asked them, did God reject his people? Oh, just to, I, I put this in just to confirm the fact that this isn't an Old Testament thing. Uh, this is our current belief now, where the church should be in the New Testament. Romans 11.1, one, I asked them, did God reject his people? Certainly Not. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. Sounds pretty Jewish. And God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. And of course Romans 10, 11 go on to expand that a lot. Verse 15, judgment will again be founded on righteousness and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Um, Messiah, obviously. Verse 17, unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. So if all the bad news is getting you down, and it can do at times because maybe you watch too much news and don't read enough Bible. Um, it's just the way we are sometimes. We have seasons of that where you know, there's more input on that side than there is on the right side. Then balance it up. You know, Find your strength in God. Don't find your strength in Oh, I was trying to remember some of the names. You know, there's some very clever speakers. I look at far too much YouTube, but some of these conservative right-wing guys, very clever debaters, and they they have a good grasp of, of things, but they're not men of God, all right? Uh, don't watch that monkey business. We're not into a debate about these things. We just want the will of God. And so if you find that all this news about horrible laws coming through, et cetera, et cetera, are getting you down, find your strength in God, get this out, read it, meditate on it, and read it slowly I've got this thing on my phone you know know, I have different just that helps me read uh, the Bible every day so I check it off because I go right through the Bible time after time and uh, and it's got a date thing attached to it and at the moment I'm several days behind because now that I've got a job it's like (laughs) this working for a living is really I hate it but um uh, now that I've got a job, I haven't got as much time for the Word, and I'm getting behind, and so I find that I'm reading real quickly. I've got to meet my quota today. And that's a horrible way to read the Bible. It doesn't work. I'd rather just meditate on on one verse that sticks out to me and, and ask what the Lord's actually saying. And it's what I recommend to you too if if things are getting you down and you need to balance up uh, what's going on in the melon. you know, Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So read your Bible, pray every day. Take your time, do it. Um, First Peter five seven. Cast all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. What a terrible burden! Can you imagine? Sometimes I think, Lord, I don't want to cast all my anxieties on You. You've got everybody in the whole world. What a drag! But, but you know He's really big-hearted. It doesn't weigh Him down. Uh, he died on a cross for you. He He, and He endured the wrath of Almighty God for all of the sins of everyone from Adam to the to the last person to be born. And that's interesting. There'll be a last person born. He bore the the sin, the wrath of God for all those people. How much more can he just handle our light and momentary troubles? You know, so cast all your cares upon him. He can take it um, if you carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders. I know my brother, that he can carry you and on the homeward stretch team, verse twenty, can a corrupt throne be allied with you, a throne that brings on misery by its decrees. The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. So although vengeance is solely the responsibility of God, we're not to get involved with that because there's nothing... We're not worthy. You know, the Lamb was the only one found worthy to open the scrolls and release all those judgments, because He's the only one who can do it out of a pure heart, the only perfect Judge. Uh, any of us, it'll be, you know, you know, I'll shoot him a couple of extra times after he's dead because I'm angry. You know, the Lord doesn't have that thing going on. He just does what is just. So, uh, although vengeance is His, we can cry out this kind of psalm, and there are several, as you know, as a pattern. Um, and I think we should do it more often to say, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and and do these things. How long, Lord, are you going to wait until these monsters uh, have their way? So just a caution. It's not our vindication we seek because vengeance belongs to the Lord. Proverbs 24, verse 7 says, Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when they stumble. Do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. So it's not like... Yeah, we don't stand around and applaud and say, Ha ha, we were right. Um, that's not what it's about. And if that's in your heart, then that's part of the learning to pray this thing because that's not appropriate. But I do encourage you, pray this sort of stuff more often. Uh how long, Lord? You know, we've got to go to the righteous judge and bang on his door and uh and say, Lord, you know, how long? Um So in summary, if you're sick of hearing of injustice, wickedness and lies it's time to cry out for God to shine forth and say, uh, use this pattern uh, more often, learn how to use it, because it's not commonly used, I find. Uh, the Lord does see and he will act. You know, the wicked say that he doesn't, but, uh, but the Lord says you are fools, like literal dictionary definition, fools, because you've not begun on the path of the fear of God. And the opposite to a said conscience is to love God's discipline. And so, Heavenly Father, we love your discipline. Thank you for being so interested in us. <clears throat> and thank you that the things we suffer are for an eternal good, that um, you turn all things for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And so I praise you, God, for that great hope that we have and the joy that can't be taken from us, um, regardless of our situation, like we pray for you know people around the world who are suffering for your name at the moment. I pray for their joy to be increased and um, uh, yeah, for their faith to be even even deeper in you. Pray for us that you'll teach us to pray this prayer with a proper heart, um, and uh, and to see you move, Lord, in this place. They they're getting their way so often, Father, and uh, it's not right. And so, rise up, Lord, and shine forth. Amen. God bless you. Same